It's time now for Pickin' and Puttin' with Clay Smith's quantitative anthology of stories behind the songs we know and love to hear and just how they evolve. Plus, a stroke of genius from Dr. Rick Zollinger, a golf nut who will present qualitative narratives from the pages of his own case studies in golf. It's Pickin' and Puttin'. Everybody, Clay Smith, welcome to Picking and Putting, along with my co-host, Dr. Rick Zollinger. Dr. Z. We be picking and we be putting, baby. I'm you? telling you, the stories keep going and the gems of golf keep coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm reporting from the corporate headquarters on the Outer Banks today. We've moved our studio. Oh, man. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. How's, the, how's your weather? It's good. I'm doing my Charlie Daniels and my shark. I had to wear my shirt back. I had to wear this shirt backwards so I could get the shark. He actually is supposed to be back here, but. Oh, I love it. Hey friends, it's a, <clears throat> it's a special show because somebody dear to our heart and a friend of the Smith family, Charlie Daniels, as you know, passed away recently, 83 years old, a, a great American. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. You know, he, you know, and I, 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 I turned the clock back a bit, you know, back in the 70s, Southern rock had really just come into its own. Uh, it had reached national prominence. And uh, what we know now is country music. There is a huge influence from Southern rock in, in today's country music. There are no two ways about it. Uh, they were, I'd say, nine day away at the time. And uh, Charlie, he's a great old Tar Heel, actually, even though uh, he claimed Tennessee is his uh, favorite. But born and raised in uh, Wilmington, uh, Charlie grew up playing the fiddle and uh, great fiddle player, strong bluegrass country uh, influence. But uh, when, when he really got started back in the 50s and then even into the 60s, I mean, from Elvis forward, I mean, he, he really got into a rock and roll influence and he pretty much laid the fiddle down and uh, went to guitar. And uh, his band at the time was uh, pretty much a Southern rock band, but uh, they also did R&B, beach music, uh, you name it. Um, he, he, always, he commonly kidded that his, uh, he drove his parents crazy uh, playing the fiddle and uh <laughs> having group members over and uh, practicing he said so no longer do we have a practice facility so only place it would have us were beer joints yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he started playing in beer joints and uh hey man that's where they polished off their skills were they and, all from, uh, were they all from wilmington area no well eastern north carolina primarily is early band for sure and uh, then, uh, gosh, he was, uh, he moved to Nashville in the 60s and uh, became an incredible uh, studio musician, okay. uh, playing uh, fiddle on numerous cuts. Uh, I mean, he, he, he played on Bob Dylan songs, uh, you name it. And then, of course, some of country's biggest uh, he played on, but uh, came into his own and pursuing his own career and uh, had a deal 
back then with the Columbia Records. And then fast forward to late 70s, and uh, they were working on a project that uh, actually they'd come to the conclusion uh, of their session. Uh, they were at Woodland Studios in Nashville, and uh, they were down to the wire. And uh, producers said, you know, wouldn't be right, Charlie, if you didn't have a fiddle song. Everything else had been uh, pretty much straight ahead, rock influence, country songs, et cetera. But uh, he's such an extraordinaire on fiddle that uh, producers said, we got to come up with something. So actually, uh, they were down to it and trying to figure out what in the world they were going to do. And so they loaded all their equipment out of the studio. They went to a practice facility and the band just started playing things and they were influenced by uh, some you know great old traditional tunes um what year was this this was uh 79 79 79 40 years ago but they just started they started playing a medley kind of four old songs that uh, were strong strongly uh, played in square dances and all sorts of stuff like that and uh Eventually, out of it, they, they pretty much worked out the routine, the format of the song, but it still had no lyrics. So Charlie loved to write in early mornings or late evenings, and uh, so early one morning he got up and he wrote the lyrics to uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia. <laughs> There's the boy in the story. I'm telling you, baby. Devil yeah. Went Down to Georgia. And, uh, I mean, it it's a... Probably uh, it epitomizes the old uh, do a deal with the devil and yeah. watch out. Um, but it was about it was about a fiddle player uh, who, uh, you know, it was an up-tempo bluegrass song about the, the devil's failed attempt, attempt to steal a young man's soul through a fiddle playing contest that involved enticing young men and, uh, and worldly prize. So, uh, he basically wrote it that the devil had a golden fiddle. And so if Johnny, <laughs> the fiddle player, uh, could outplay the devil, he would get his golden fiddle. So it's a back and forth. It's a back and forth. And uh, I guess it starts out, uh, the, the devil plays this, you know, haunting, driving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. garbage and uh then johnny comes forward and knocks it out of the park and uh so through that johnny wins the contest gets the golden fiddle and uh, the rest is history and this became uh his signature song went to number one in the charts and uh yeah, everybody knows it. stops traffic stops yeah, traffic. it's a great it's a great song well it may it it, it brings up you know <laughs> we thought about Greg Norman and oh baby yes indeed and the poor thing he never got his uh, golden fiddle because oh man you know he, he went down to Georgia too right <laughs> he went down to Georgia I've had to switch my dress code here he went down, he went down to Georgia and you know he he played his first masters in 81 over the next eight years he was in the top five four or five times you know and we thought he was going to win you and i i mean i would have thought he oh won four God. or five of the darn thing no doubt about and, it and so in 80 his three best shots were 86 87 and 96 so let me go through them real quick 
86, yeah. we all know who won in 86, right? Oh, uh, baby. Memorial this week, Jack. Greatest ever. Greatest ever. <laughs> well, here's the deal. He birdied. Greg, and I forgot this, he birdied 14, 15, 16, 17 to tie Jack, going to the 18th yeah. with a chance to win or tie and go to playoff. What a Here's, here's the theme of his life where, where the devil got him. What? Wide right. I think everybody kicks for Florida State. I don't know why that is, but it's <laughs> So he hits it down the middle. And oh, what it, you can remember the shot. He hit his second shot, bailed out into the right just, crowd, right of the green. Just totally blocked it up into the gallery. Whole high. Yeah. Yeah, he needed a par. Then he had a, that front pin position. He had to get up and down. He hit it up there, and he missed, I think, about a 12-foot putt, and Jack oh, wow. won. So, you know, but he had made a great comeback. Well, oh, fast God. forward to 87. What yeah. happened in 87? The devil got oh. him again. Oh, so he God. comes down. He's got a shot to win it on the 18th hole, has a 20-foot putt. You remember where the pin's always kind of front, left? And Absolutely. I think he was yeah. right, had about a 20-foot putt, and just literally burned the edge. Everybody you read about it said, oh, I thought he made it. Wow. So they, went, they went to a playoff. Wide right again on number 11. So he hits conservatively into the middle of the green. He's got a 50-foot putt. They got that front left pin on 11 with the lake, little pond at Augusta. Yeah. And so Mize has hit it wide right. I mean, he's, he's uh, 45 meters, so figure that out, whatever that is, 140 feet or something. Unbelievable. And, and Greg's up in the middle of the green with a 50-footer. And I can visualize Mize, you know, Mize chipped that thing in. I mean, you could hit that thing a hundred times and not chip it in. Not going in. Oh, that, I mean, that was a once in a life shot. Oh, was it? And it's Greg's up there relaxed, poised to win. And if you go back and look at Greg, he was shaking, you know. <sighs> the devil's up here going like this. Oh, my. He was he was shaking, you know, and uh, devil goes down to Georgia. <laughs> no, I think he was hanging out there for every time Norman hit the tee, oh but uh, and and kind of hanging it in front of him, but never gave it to him. Oh um, my lord! So then the most famous one was the total collapse in '96, and that wow. was the in '95. If you remember, remember they never showed you the first eight holes. Right. Whatever. So finally, in, in 95, they showed the whole 18. Well, that fast forward to 96, and that allowed them to show you the entire collapse. Well, Greg had shot an opening 63 in 96, so he, he was in the lead the whole time. On Saturday, Faldo made this knee knocker for his par on 18, which is, for whatever reason, is kind of prophetic because yes. Norman had a six-shot lead going into the, that. Okay, oh. so he bogeys one and three, I think, or one and four. By the time they make the turn, Faldo's made a couple birdies. The lead's gone from six to three. Wow. And I think of Rory. I mean, that same thing. Oh, turn yeah, exactly. Back, back nine. Wow. So then he, oh. on, on Sunday, he bogeys. Here's his scores for five through, or nine through 12, and you know the pars. It's five, oh five. Five, five. So he went. Wow. Bogey, bogey, double bogey. Steps on thirteen t, and instead of a six shot lead that went to three shot lead, he's now two behind. God. 
and so I think you know he makes a birdie. Fowler makes a birdie. They go to uh, 16T, and he knocks it in the water again. <sighs> makes a double. He's now God. he's now gone from six up to four down. Good. And then on the 18th hole, Faldo knocks in a birdie, and he wins by five. And, and Norman comes in second, and uh, Mickelson is third. And that was the last major either one of them won. Norman came back in 99 and came in third, and then that was it. And the reason he was so crushed was, he, you know, he would wow. have been the first Australian. That's you right. Bruce, you had Bruce Crampton. You had all these guys. But he was the first one. And finally, in 13, Adam Scott won it. Exactly. And, and Adam Scott said in his press conference at Butler Cabin, he praised Greg Norman. He said, Oh, wow. You know, it'd be like Tiger Woods with these young guys. Or strong Jeff. influence. Oh, yeah, no question. Strong influence. And yeah. the quote is, or the story goes, that Greg was in his Jupiter home. Really? And, and yeah, and went down on his knees and cried. Oh my! And you know, because it was a great thing for yeah. That's the that's the circle of life right there. Yeah, is that not a great? He lived thing? it through uh, Adam's victory, huh? Yeah, yeah. He came and you know, and he's had a great life. And uh, oh man, he's fire a, on the mountain, run, boy, run! Yeah. <laughs> but the devil's going down to Georgia, and he got himself one of these gold. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. Devils, man. <laughs> but he did not get a gold masters oh man but i love That's the shark i love the shirt i do i do i do hey you know yeah. granny does your dog bite <laughs> oh buddy that's unbelievable well we're hey, proud you. we're proud to honor him and we're proud more proud to honor charlie because you know he's not with us anymore so great song yeah. we all know it and we really no, no question about it and I've, I've got a poignant quote for the day that uh, kind of heralds both of these guys want to hear it do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do <laughs> and that's why you tune in to picking and putting to subscribe join us weekly a lot of episodes out there you can download them uh go to the website pickingandputting.com go to youtube yep it's everywhere we love you Hey, thank you, fans.